You know, the thing about combat sports is it's the greatest stories of all time when they live up to the expectations. There could be times where the stage is set and just for whatever reason, world-class athletes, you know, nullify one another and, and the action doesn't necessarily live up to the hype. That was not the case of UFC 261. Fans back inside the arena for the very first time since the pandemic started down in Jacksonville inside the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena. And might I say... It was every bit as good as you would have hoped for. If you would have drawn this up, I don't think you would have done as good of a job as they did down in Jacksonville tonight. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ DeSantis, along with Pearl Gonzalez. We are live on UFC Fight Pass for extra rounds. If you don't know, let us tell you. Kamara Usman stops Jorge <laughs> Gamebred Masvidal. It happens in the uh, second round tonight. It was the hands and the power on display of Kamara Usman. You know, Usman, Pearl, he wanted to, uh, you know, right his wrong, essentially, for not being as dominant as he thought he could be out on Fight Island when he first met uh, uh, game bread last summer. Uh, well, tonight, uh, no question about it. He was every bit as dominant as he could hope to be. Oh my gosh. He looked fantastic tonight. Start to finish. He came out and put on a show. Um, and I mean, Masvidal had a couple moments in this fight where sure. we saw some, some good clips and, and good moments. So you can't, can't take that away from Masvidal, but that right hand, oh my gosh, that thing came that thing came out of nowhere and went to like the next universe and took Masvidal to the next universe. Yeah, I mean, when when Masvidal, you know, woke up and had to look to his corner and, and the referee to figure out really what happened, uh, it showed you that it wasn't just a flash knockdown. It was a separation of consciousness for uh, one game bread. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before we went uh, officially live here on Extra Rounds. What can you say about Jorge Gamebred Masvidal? Because this man has reinvented himself in a manner that has gone from, you know, middle of the road, uh, you know, good but not great, like lightweight in a lot of ways to one of the best in the world at 170 pounds and tonight he doesn't get his hand raised and doesn't get the belt that you know he he's chased his career um but he he's still lost with a, a, a grace that you got to believe that you know sure he didn't win the fight tonight pearl but you know moving forward from masvidal I, I don't think he necessarily loses fans here by any means he said the right things he acted the right way and the next time he takes the octagon people are going to be ready to hand over their money Oh my gosh, I couldn't agree with you anymore, TJ. Yes, he he handled his defeat tonight so well. I was so impressed with with how well he handled it. And in fact, actually, it started in the um, in the pre the press this week, where when they asked him, you know, if he won the belt, did did, did he feel that Usman deserved a um, immediate rematch? And he right. said, you know, I may not, I may have whatever I we may not see eye to eye. But 100%, he deserves an immediate rematch. I respect the guy in that sense. And so from that point until even after the fight, he he's shown that not only is he, you know, he's from the streets and he's from the hood and he, he's from this tough upbringing. And yeah, he represents, you know, the Latino culture and, and, and those aspects of it. But he's also an athlete and he's a, he's a real athlete, a true athlete. I mean, look at him here. He's just, he's, he's had these huge moments in his career and even tonight, you know, he he fell short, but that is the style of fighter that Masvidal is. He's he's kill or be killed, and and you know, I think that there's no other way that he would have rather have wanted to go out. You know, or uh, did I say that right? He would have wanted to go out. You right. know, he went out he on went his shield. Out, he went out on his shield, fair and square, 
And, you know, there's no ands, ifs, or buts anymore. He was the better man tonight, and he handled that so well. And he went and he shook Usman's hand immediately, and he gave him his, he paid his respects to him. And I thought that that was, that was a big moment for, for, Uz, for Masvidal to, to do that. And, and also to show the world that, yeah, we can have these beefs and, and we can have these issues in between, but no matter what, you know, it's respect man to man. It's right. respect. And we are still here. We're, we're still professional athletes. So I was impressed with the way he handled that. I think you bring up a, a fantastic point about Masvidal being respectful because he did owe that to Usman because Usman didn't owe him this rematch. He didn't have to go in no. there with Masvidal, who, uh, again, he took care of. Granted, it wasn't in the most ideal circumstances uh, for, for Gamebred, but it was still a, a dominant, decisive win for Camaro. Camaro had little to gain in the way of getting this victory uh, once again. He did so in a fashion where I think he does pick up uh, a lot of style points, and as we know, Mm -hmm. in mixed martial arts, style points go a long ways, especially when you are uh, attempting to pen a legacy, and that's what Kamar Usman is definitely doing. Um, You know, the first Nigerian-born champion in UFC history, he goes out there, he talks about what his family means to him. Uh, he, He wants to represent not only the sport, but, you know, Africans and Americans and his family, that Usman name, in a manner that he can be proud of. And I firmly believe that if Kamara Usman is able to continue this this run that he is on right now at the 170-pound weight class, I mean, not many more wins are going to have to come until people really start penciling his name in uh, among the, the top two or three uh, best welterweights of all time. I still give it to George St. Pierre. There's an argument to be made uh, for Matt Hughes. Um, you know, Robbie Lawler was, was a fun champion with amazing fights. Um, but but Kamara Usman, you know, statistically already has, I think, the most wins in UFC welterweight history. Uh, you know, he's, he's slowly but surely racking up uh, these, these title defenses. I know that the word GOAT gets thrown around a lot, Pearl. I hate to even bring it up here. But, you know, he's doing the right things to, you know, put those blocks in place to build a legacy that people can really get behind and say, Kamara Usman's the best man to ever hold that 170-pound championship inside the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is number 19. This is his 19th win in a row. Yeah. I mean, how many MMA athletes do that? I mean, it, it's you know more common maybe in boxing or something, but not very often do you have an MMA athlete win 19 fights in a row. That is amazing. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment for him. And tonight you're right. He, he didn't have to take this fight, but we also have to give it to Masvidal. He is one of the biggest stars in our sport right now. And so I think that Camaro wanted to prove that he is on another level. And he said that he said, none of these dudes are on my level. And he showcased that tonight that he is on another level. He's locked in. He's focused. He made this move to a great camp, which hats off to Trevor. To Trevor, he yep. is just a phenomenal coach. And I mean, look at his striking. His striking is evolving. Usman is evolving. For as dominant as he already is, for as successful as he already has been, he is still in that gym, working hard, effortlessly, tirelessly to evolve. He wants to be the best. He wants to continue to to show that he is on another level. And uh, he did it again, one, once again tonight.
You mentioned that uh, you know training camp with Trevor Lally. He moved uh, away uh, from from his old camp when he had to fight teammate Gilbert Burns. And you know we saw the knockout of Sergio Marais to to start the show, and and now again the knockout of of Masvidal. Those things are not created equal. Jorge Masvidal is a true blue striker when it comes to uh, his approach to mixed martial arts. So for for Usman to do it, uh, you know, we, we kind of tongue-in-cheek say, look, he's he has power. We've seen it in the past. Uh, but the way that he did it and who he did it again uh, against tonight says uh, a lot about the champion and, and man that he is and the talent that he possesses at 170 pounds. But the question, I guess, moving forward is, uh, you know, what is next for Kamar Usman? Let's take a look at the uh, rankings right now um, in the 170-pound division. And and, you know, outside of Leon Edwards, who's sitting at number three, he's taken care of everyone in the top four. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is hanging out at number five. Colby Covington was in the house tonight. I mean, if you are going to have to play matchmaker Pearl, what do you do? I mean, who who would be next for Kamar Usman out of these names? Because, uh, again, Covington is a guy that is bandied about because he uh, has that sort of polarity. People uh, either love him or, or love to hate him so it could be a money fight um but it's a fight that we've already seen it is but i do believe that they've already said that that he's next he's he's the next one in line and so i i see uzman fighting uh covington next and who i think will be next after that is going to be either um it's going to be the winner of uh leon edwards and and nate diaz i think that the the winner of that fight will will definitely have their opportunity against Usman. It's interesting to to sort of see where Leon Edwards is going to go because he'd been out for so long and then he came back and had that you know less than uh, stellar uh, outcome. Um, with Bilal Muhammad. So, uh, you know, if, if he gets past Nate Diaz, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, Nate Diaz would even make a lot of sense when it comes to paydays mm-hmm. and, and, you know, numbers like that. But uh, Colby Covington is a fight we've already seen. One other fight that, uh, I mean, I'd like to see. Stylistically, it might be difficult, but Stephen Wonderboy Thompson provides some interesting looks at, at someone like uh, Usman. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, when you look at Wonderboy, he has that traditional uh, martial arts background. Um, um, you know, might not be able to uh, sit down on his strikes with the confidence that he may need to land, uh, you know, with, with devastating uh, power. When when you're a striker like Wonderboy taking on a wrestler like Kamara Usman, Pearl, maybe I'm out of line here, but I'm, I tend to always sort of lean towards the grappler because just stylistically it, it benefits them over the course of 25 minutes. Absolutely. The ability to, to, to take the fight where you want to take the fight, to change the tempo of the fight and the positioning of the fight is huge. I mean, that's the ultimate control. So um, I agree with you with grappling. I, I personally agree. I feel the grappler, um, excuse me, predominant wrestler does have an advantage in, in a, a fight over a striker. Um, but Thompson did really well against Woodley and Woodley had phenomenal wrestling and, and wrestled and tried to wrestle. And and uh, Wonderboy did a great job against um, against uh, Woodley. I thought that that was a very close fight, um, and he handled the wrestling and 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 was able to utilize his striking despite the wrestling very well. Yeah, no, that is a, a very good point. The first meeting between Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson ended in a draw. Uh, the next one uh, was a successful defense um, for Tyron Woodley uh, as he earned a decision, but. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, too. Kamaru Usman, he's got this power in this evolving game where I don't know if we've seen the best Kamaru Usman yet. And we're already talking about a guy with a flawless, undefeated record, you know, multiple title defenses under his belt. And, uh, you know, he's just two wins away uh, should he meet Leon Edwards and, and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, from cleaning out the top five of the division. And then people are going to start to talk about pound for pound. I mean, he's already ranked, you know, pound for pound. But, you know, with Khabib exiting, the pound-for-pound rankings because he's officially retired. you got to believe that Kamar Usman makes a really strong case uh, for being potentially uh, the best fighter uh, in the world, pound-for-pound. And, uh, you know, more performances like this, the argument uh, is not going to be one too many are going to take. Let's take a look at our co-main event tonight. Uh, The strawweight championship of the world was on the line as uh, Zhang Wei Li defended against former champion Rose Nama Yunus, and it is Thug Rose who gets it done. And when I looked at this fight on paper, sizing it up with Dean Thomas on Wednesday's show, I thought that Rose would have uh, you know some interesting tricks up her sleeve for uh, Zhang, but I thought it was going to be like she's winning fights here, you know, on the floor, utilizing her submission uh, game. She has a very dynamic uh, ground game, but that was not the case. Thug Rose thrills in a manner that. Uh, uh, was reminiscent of the the first time she captured the belt over Yuana Yun Jacek. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the performance turned in by Thug Rose? Oh my gosh, I cried. It was such an emotional moment. I think for women's women's MMA, um, but also for for her right and her journey and how she um, took a step back at one point in her career and, and said, you know, I need to work on my mental health. And here she is today again with this amazing moment it's just like how many moments can someone have like that in their life and she just had another one where she shook the world is what they kept saying and they're so right it was the second time she did that in such a beautiful beautiful manner first round i mean just put her to bed right and i think that the same thing with kamaro um was was the, was very similar with rose is their positioning and this is where their coach trevor whitmire i believe comes into play he has such an incredible IQ, a fight IQ, and understands um, positioning and, and how to position yourself so that you have the advantage where maybe you don't have as much power, but when you put yourself in this position, it just leverages your power to another level. And and that's what happened if you watched when Masvidal got knocked out. I mean, his head went completely like, like it almost swiveled, honestly. It was like a swivel, like, right? So his head swiveled. Uh, wait, how, how was that? <laughs> That's a, that's a like, technical sh- term, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a sh- right. So his head did this, sh- <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So his head swiveled, but that was because of the positioning that Usman had. Usman was in this position. Yes, it, he's a powerhouse right. and an athlete. You're, you can't take that away. But he positioned himself in this perfect place where, when that hand landed, it 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 snapped the head, snapped it like a. Yeah. And. Um, Rose had the same thing. I mean, that kick, who saw that coming, that, that head kick? Like we know Welly, Welly didn't see that. She was, she was defending a low leg kick. And if you watch Rose's eyes, when she threw that kick, she was looking at the lower body. So it was just perfectly placed. It was a perfect positioning. Her setup was incredible. There was, and it was like, you didn't even see it coming. She just threw it so effortlessly. And the technique is so perfect. Rose has such great technique. She's such a technical fighter. And I mean, that thing landed and you didn't see her load up on it. You didn't see her like use a lot of effort. It just came out effortlessly and put 
Whaley out. What can you say, though, about the now former champion, Zhang Weili, who, you know, is coming off a, a, a long layoff and, you know, a classic fight that she turned in, you know, over a year ago uh, against Yuani and Jacek. Uh, it, it was um, somewhat dissatisfying to see the fight end as quickly as it did in the sense that it, it just, you know, we know that Zhang Weili is capable of putting in a war. But, of course, that is not the case when your lights are turned out. And that's exactly what Rose Nami Yunus did. She shut off the lights with a head kick that nobody saw coming. She set it up, uh, you know, similar to uh, some of the great kickboxers in MMA's past where you look low, come high. And, mm-hmm. and for Zhang Weili, uh, the lights went out and, and they went out very quickly. Dan Mergliata, uh, I believe, was the uh, referee. It may have been Keith Peterson, one of the two. Uh, I'll get the uh, correct info on that in a moment. But uh, what I will Keith. say, uh, okay, so Keith Peterson did a fantastic job stepping in when mm-hmm. he did. But when you look at Zhang Weili, she occupies a, a very special place in mixed martial arts history, being a uh, you know now former champion, but the first uh, Chinese uh, champion in, in UFC history. She has turned in some phenomenal uh, performances in the past. Again, most notably, uh, what arguably some people say is the greatest fight in, in mixed martial arts history, let alone women's mixed martial arts history, uh, against Rose Namajunas. So I guess my question is, is this, Pearl. Does Zhang Weili deserve an immediate rematch? I don't think there's any controversy with that stoppage. I thought it was spot on, but, you know, uh, a very deserving champion, and sometimes uh, people believe champions deserve immediate rematches. You know, that that's such a, that's such a tough question because – if she, had she have been dominant for you know a lengthy period of time, then there there's no there's no question she 100% deserves that that immediate rematch. But she has been such a dominant fighter in her moving into the ranks. And her first defense was, you know, she was so dominant, and then she had that amazing performance. I mean, and 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 if, when if you follow her on social media you know how hard this woman works. She is so focused, so disciplined. She's in that gym every single day. This is her life. Um, and, and she's just constantly working. So, you know, for what happened tonight, I believe she she does deserve that immediate rematch. I, I think that she deserves a, another opportunity. But at the same time, if there is another contender that's moving, that's coming up the ranks, I mean, maybe maybe you give it to another contender and 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 let her you know take some time to to rebuild herself. Um, I'm not sure. I think that I respect her so much. There's just so many reasons to respect Welly Zhang. And then I don't know if you saw the numbers. Did you see the numbers that she like pulled on the Chinese TikTok and 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 all of the the Chinese websites? Like, yeah. Mind blowing, right? Bill, I'm like literally like a billion people, a billion impressions. Which I mean, I don't know a lot about social media. I will tell you, uh, you know, first off, uh, I thought the Chinese version of TikTok was called TikTok. Apparently, it's not something <laughs> completely different. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, uh, people all around the world are paying attention to uh, Zhang Weili, and for good reason. While she didn't get her hand raised yes. tonight, uh, she's a very powerful force at 115 pounds, and uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be mad to see her in there with Rose Nami Yunus uh, anytime soon i agree and and you know she's she's all around she's she's respectful the way that she carries herself the way that she shows her country she she represents her country she represents martial arts very traditional martial arts you see why not why wouldn't you give her another opportunity she works extremely hard and and you know that although tonight is is heartbreaking and tonight she's probably going to give herself a hard time 
in a couple days, maybe when she gets home, she's had some time to kind of, you know, get through it and process it all. She's going back to that gym and she's going to work even harder. So you know that she's going to come out and put on a great performance. The numbers, she's a, she's a mega star based on the numbers. So why would you not give her, give her right. that fight? I mean, she didn't really get to, to open up at all tonight. No. I mean, Rose was just spot on. So, and, and didn't give her that chance. No, I mean, the end came at one minute, 18 seconds of round number one. We know what Zhang is, is capable of doing over the course of 25 minutes when she's firing on all cylinders. But that's what is great about this sport. Wins like this happen. And when they come out of nowhere, you, you kind of feel like, ah, oh, we could have seen more. But that was just not the case. Uh, Thug Rose uh, has arrived once again. And Joe Rogan crying in the octagon. You're crying at home. <laughs> I mean, again, I started you know the show saying this. If you were to write the return for the UFC in front of a full crowd, I don't think you could have written a card as good as this one. This was, you know, one of those situations where, you know, truth was stranger than fiction. We'll get to some some crazy, uh, in, in, you know, proceedings earlier on the main card as well with Chris Weidman uh, and Jimmy Crute, some, some leg injuries uh, that, that really had uh, me squirming and doing all sorts of things in my chair because... Ow. Did you watch the replays? I, I, I did, and it was, yeah, I need counseling over it. We'll talk about it in a moment. But I do want to talk more about uh, Thug Rose real quick because, you know, the, the power of self-belief is something that I think a lot of people think is like woo-woo mantras. I don't believe in that stuff. But for, for Rose Nami Yunus, who you mentioned, Pearl, has been honest and vocal about, you know, her mental state in the past and, and getting, uh, you know, getting her mind right to be a champion this is something that i mean I, i'm a believer i'm a believer in the idea of of you know meditation and self-help and, and things like that rose nami Yunus is not only firing in all cylinders physically but mentally you know the way that she was screaming at her coach and pat barry tonight going like i'm the best you can tell she believes it and what's scary is i think that she got to that ufc championship before she actually fully believed it. Now that she does, I don't know if anybody's taking this belt away from her anytime soon. I agree. And, and yeah, she was up until the fight started. She was affirming. That's what that was. Those were affirmations and affirming and manifesting what she showcased. The, the brilliant moment that she had tonight, she manifested that. She created that. Um, and... And, um, what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, I, I forgot. It's gone. Evolvement. But yes. Evolution. Ev no, it's like, mm. uh, like a battery. What is a battery? Like, uh, or a magnet. magnet. Uh, like it, uh, when it goes, it's magnetized. It's magnetic. No, it's like attract. She attracted. Okay. She attracted. Right. She, she mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically attracted all of the good things that happened right. to her tonight. Um, and yes, it is. It is. It starts in the mind because if you don't believe, if you don't really believe, are you really going to um, put in all, put, put in all that effort? Right. Are you going to intentionally go to the gym and work hard to intentionally get better? If you don't believe that you can be the best, if you don't believe that you can have these moments, you're not, you're not, right. you're going to be half in and half out. And, um, you know, I think that she had said that it, she wasn't really ready for the position that she had when when she beat Joe what Joanna 
And then she beat her again. And then, and then that fight came where she, she got dropped out her head and knocked out and she just was not mentally prepared. And after that fight, she took some time away and, you know, some people thought that she would never come back from that. And here she is tonight again, just making some like magic happen in front of the world is incredible. And I think that to be able to do that under the pressure, under the bright lights, in the heat of the moment, that kick, it wasn't like it was planned out. She threw that kick. It was an instinct and she believed in her instinct. It was an instinctual move and she believed in it 100%. And didn't even have to blink her eyes when she threw it. She just knew the positioning and, and knew where she was. And that comes from mindset. So absolutely, you know, and it was cool. Like, I think that that's why it was so emotional for me to watch her as is before the fight started. She was, you know, affirming to herself, I am the best. I am the best. I am the best. And looking across the cage. And I don't know if she was looking at Welly, but she was looking across the cage and she was you know, just manifesting what was about to happen. And I was watching Welly and, and Welly in, uh, tonight was, you know, saying hi to people right before the fight and looking over at the coach. And I could, you could tell she was a little affected by the booing and that when, when you're not locked in something so small or, or, or you know, it was just a small mistake. It wasn't like she, she thought the kick was coming uh, she thought it was a low leg kick. She didn't think it was a head kick. It was just a small little miscalculation right. that put her out. And and I believe, you know, from that from the beginning of that fight, watching her and how she was kind of the crowd, I think maybe, you know, the energy and, and she just wasn't as locked in as, as as I've seen her before. And then on the other side of the cage, you have someone who is physically affirming what is about to happen and, and so locked in and so tuned in. I mean, it, it it kind of like I, I felt like I knew something incredible was about to happen right before that fight started. I mean, Joe Rogan was a puddle in the octagon afterwards. <laughs> and it, it's true. I mean, what can you say? You know, stories like that will will grip you. I've had one very close moment of crying on the air while calling a fight. And it was your walk uh, talking about the story of, of your father who had just passed and how you dedicated. That. I mean, mixed martial arts is the greatest sport in the world because it's not just the the fight. It's so much right. more. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, again, we talk a lot about champions falling from grace. And, you know, Longo has talked in depth on this program about those champions that never really make it back to the top of the mountain. Well, Rose Namajunas is back at the top of the mountain, and she might be there for a, a long while. Um, oh, my gosh, yes. Speaking of champions that uh, don't like to relinquish uh, the top of the mountain, what can you say about Valentina Shevchenko? She dispatches Jessica Andrade tonight. Um, really just vintage stuff uh, from Valentina. When, when you look at her, uh, she does everything in a manner that, you know, for all intents and purposes, is flawless. As long as she's not in there with Amanda Nunes, like she's gonna win the fight. That's what she does. Uh, she's only only lost three times in her mixed martial arts career. She's always sort of uh, you know diversifying her offense. We've seen her in the in the past knock people out. Great footwork there on display. Even when she dances, <laughs> it's pretty much flawless. Uh, but tonight it was uh, you know a relentless ground attack. Uh, crucifix position on, on Jessica Andrade, who is no slouch. Andrade, a former champion at 115 pounds. You know, she she was someone that, you know, was was a big underdog tonight, but no one was really questioning her abilities uh, in this fight by, by any means, which is why I think that she got it as quickly as she did. She came in, she beat 
Caitlin Chukagian uh, once moving up to 125 pounds. And, you know, when you take out the number one contender, why avoid the inevitable? Let's just give you a, a title fight. Unfortunately, though, for the Brazilian, the champion is Valentina Shevchenko, and uh, she does what she does best, and that's overwhelm her opponents, getting another stoppage. The end comes at three minutes, 19 seconds of round number two. What are your thoughts on the bullet? Oh, my gosh. She's another amazing, just one of these women that are, I don't know if you'll ever see another Shevchenko again in our sport. I mean, I hope I hope we do one day, but at this point, no, you're not, you're not going to see someone as skilled and talented as her. And like, I love watching her strike and I love watching her fight. Cause it reminds me of, of similarly how she like shoots her guns. Right. And she has just this accuracy and this locked in focus. And that's the way she fights. She, she it's like, she's shooting guns and is, is kind of setting up her, her targets. And then she shoots and it's so crisp and clean. And tonight she didn't even have to use her striking. She, I, I believe that she went in there and they were like, she has an opportunity to beat you in the wrestling. She said, okay, well, let me show you how much of an opportunity she has to beat me in the wrestling. And, and she said that in her post fight, she said, everybody thinks they're going to find a weakness. You're not, you're not going to find a weakness. So tonight was, was a statement for her to, to make like, yes, I, she could have used her striking. And, and we saw that she was already finding her range and finding her targets and finding accuracy in the Andrade fight. But she didn't need to use her her one of her top weapons, I guess, is which is her striking. Right. She went in and she utilized her her judo and her her wrestling, and man, is she dominant! And then and and then finished Andrade in another in um what's that thing called? What's it called? What's it called? A crucifix. It's a case Katami, a crucifix. Yes, yep. case Katami, crucifix position. She finished her in a crucifix. Andrade is a black belt. Yeah in jujitsu andraj is no slouch on the ground and she put her away and um it's just incredible it's incredible to see valentina and how she's still evolving and that's what she said is i'm still evolving and and her and her team they're a tight-knit team it's her and her sister and 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 coach pablo pablo and and they travel all over the world and, and i had the opportunity actually to to interview valentina once and i asked her you travel all over the world how do you how do you travel and enjoy life but still you know maintain your your training and and maintain your discipline and she says we are always disciplined we train every day and and they go together as a family as a team wherever they go they have their training gear with them they go to other gyms but but they're locked in this team is locked in they they have the the tools and they have the understanding of what it takes to be as dominant as she is and i, I don't know i don't know who's even next on this list. We'll get to that in a little she... bit. We'll get to that in a little bit. One, th one thing I will say, though, uh, about uh, Shevchenko, uh, you know, born and raised in Kyrgyzstan, uh, training now in, in Peru. Uh, one of my son's classmates, um, their father is, is Peruvian, and uh, it, it came up at like a school function that I cover mixed martial arts for a living. And he sought me out and was like, tell me about Valentina Shevchenko, because she's from Peru. And I'm like, well, kind of. I mean, she trains there, but she's from Kyrgyzstan. And he, he was just going on and on about how she's the, the pride and joy uh, of Peru. And he doesn't know anything about mixed martial arts other than Valentina Shevchenko. And I thought that was pretty great, pretty amazing. Did no. you see like how how talented is she? Obviously, her skills, right? She displayed her skills tonight, and then she does her her beautiful dance, and then she gets on the mic and speaks in three different languages oh, I know. tonight. I know. 
Like, oh my God, what else can this woman do? She's incredible. Seriously. She's so talented from everywhere, from all angles and facets. Like, this, she's just an incredible woman. Let's take a look at the resume for a brief moment because it, it gets even more impressive when you break it down by the numbers. Obviously, she's the UFC's flyweight champion. Uh, five successful title defenses, 21 and three as a pro MMA fighter, 10 and two inside the UFC, with those two losses being to Amanda Nunes, only the greatest women's fighter to ever step inside the octagon and she really has a well-rounded offensive attack and what I mean by that is when you look at the numbers uh, she has 21 wins and they're divided evenly seven wins by knockout seven wins by submission and seven wins by decision so if she's not able to either knock you out or, or finish you she's going to control the pace of a fight and, and I think the reason that she's able to control how a fight unfolds over the course of 15 or 25 minutes is because you can't ever get comfortable because the minute you think that she's going to kick box you she's gonna take you down put you in that crucifix position and start ground and pounding your face off yes she even though she has those those decisions i mean she's dominant right and those a lot of those decisions it's not like they're close fights not none in the ufc i would say like not many of those are close fights i think maybe was it just uh was it just amanda where those fights were where she wasn't dominant as dominant as she normally is like Man, she is, and like she said, you can try to figure me out, but you won't. And like, she's so right. Where, where is, where are her weaknesses at? Where, where are their vulnerabilities? Because she's working on those. She's finding them and she's working on those. And um, they're a very disciplined and focused camp. So she's definitely at the top, at the top of the mountain for, for a long Long time. Another thing about her resume, look at that. Professional MMA debut back in 2003. I did the math on that, Pearl. She turned pro one month after her 16th birthday. Wow. Think about that. Not to mention she has a kickboxing record, an extensive kickboxing record. So it's like... Yes, and a boxing record. I mean, mean, who knows what grappling... You know what grappling competition she's done, and, and right. who knows how many fights have been recorded? Even you know that's be, another because you these, know, real thing. These I ladies mean, have been they their whole life they've dedicated their life to mixed martial arts. I mean, I gotta believe that maybe she's not good at like Monopoly or you know Scrabble. <laughs> Actually, you know what? She could Tell probably kick your ass in Scrabble in three different languages. So I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I'm, I dare you to tell her that you'd kick her ass in Monopoly. No, no, I don't want to do that. I really don't (laughs) because I get worried when I tell you that I think you need to turn your headphones on or something, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, the odds where they opened and and where they closed. Uh, You know, no surprise, Valentina Shevchenko minus 455 coming into the fight. These odds uh, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. But this is how uh, they closed. And it's not often that the line virtually doesn't move. It's it's identical uh, to opening and close. Uh, Jessica Andrade uh, goes up slightly a little bit. But that uh, original line for Shevchenko holds tight at minus 455. Uh, Kamara Usman minus 435. Uh, uh, Masvidal actually raised a little bit. I know some people that uh, got him at almost three and a half to one, uh, but the closing odds uh, plus three fifteen for game bread. Uh, and then obviously that uh, big upset with Rosnami Yunus uh, cashing at plus one sixty five, uh, claiming the title uh, against now former champion uh, Zhang Wei Li. Um, 
yeah, I, I just just a phenomenal night of, of action, and the odds really uh, showcased uh, everything that you needed to know uh, about tonight's fights, and it puts things into perspective, and DraftKings does just that. DraftKings believes that life is more fun with skin in the game. Get in on the action with Daily Fantasy, sports betting, and free-to-play pools. Download any of the DraftKings apps today. Just use the promo code UFC. So really the question now, Pearl, is... What is next for the bullet? Valentina Shevchenko has been uh, essentially flawless when it comes to you know her run at 125. The only uh, really you know downfall she's had inside the octagon is taking on uh, Amanda Nunes. Uh, I mean, is do we want to try to get a third fight you know with with her and, and Amanda, or do you feel like Lauren Murphy, who's the next contender on the list that she hasn't sort of dealt with yet, is the right answer? Uh, I think absolutely. I think that Lauren Murphy deserves deserves the the shot. She's a another hardworking athlete. She's worked her way to number three. She's competed against the best. And then you have um, you have uh, Vivian who's fighting Caitlin, I believe next month. So if if Vivian wins, then you have another new contender um, in line there as well. So I do. I think that the uh, Lauren Murphy, Vivian, if Vivian were to to win, then yes, you you have a couple new contenders um, for her. But I think that I don't know if the um, if Amanda Nunes is ex- so much excited about that fight. I think that Amanda, you know, is defending both of her weight classes right now and and has other other things on her agenda. Yeah. So maybe maybe we'll see this fight later on, but I think right now I don't think that that's the fight to make. No, I, I agree with you. I think the the rematch was you know pretty decisive. We we knew that night where that fight was going. And, and don't get me wrong, Valentina is, is definitely competitive and probably the most competitive person that Amanda can fight. But that doesn't necessarily always mean that's who should it be next, especially when you have Lauren Murphy, who has been in the sport for a very long time, has done everything that she's needed to to rise through the ranks at 125. Because again, uh, just look at the, the, these rankings again at, at 125 pounds. I, I know that uh, Shevchenko is taking care of a, a lot of these names, but they're fantastic fighters. They're, they're no real mm-hmm. guinea fights. And that's one thing that I, I thoroughly enjoy about this division moving forward is, yes, we all want to see Valentina fight, you know, the, the these contenders, but we've had a lot of good fights between these contenders themselves, and and you never know who may come out of it. So, for my money, if I was Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard, I'm putting Lauren Murphy in there with the champ. But uh, outside of that, uh, I think this is a fantastic division that we're going to see. Uh, you know, a, a contender, uh, you know, sort of set themselves apart from the the rest of the pack, and you know, maybe it is Viviane Arujo. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Wow, you said that really well. I, I, I still don't think I got it right. I don't. I don't think I'm on the John Anik level yet. But Arujo, Viviane Arujo. I think. I think that's okay. how you say it. I, I don't know. Uh, I do know how to say <laughs> TJ DeSantis, that's me. Pearl Gonzalez, that is her. Uh, we have uh, phones for you. We're going to open up those lines. You can always uh, shoot us a text or give us a call, 917-UFC-TALK. Uh, that's 917-832-8255. Um, I can't play any of them because we don't have like a legal disclaimer on them, but people call Pearl when we're not on the air, and they leave you like love messages. I'm not kidding. Really? You. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, Pearl, oh, you're so pretty. So, and I'm so like, sweet. Yeah. No one ever calls and tells me I'm pretty, though. <laughs> Just saying. 
Someone please call TJ. Thea, can you please call TJ and tell him? He's oh, beautiful. no. Oh, no. Now I've gone and, and no. you know, picked a fight I wasn't looking for. Uh, Chad Mulligan checking in uh, on Facebook saying, Pearl is amazing, intelligent, great MMA IQ, and is beady be- sexy. I don't know what that means. B-E-A-T-I sexy. Betty sexy. I don't, I, bet. I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know how to say that. What Apparently, was his name? Uh, Chad Mulligan. Chad Mulligan, thank you, sweetheart. Yeah, I can say Viviane Araujo, but I can't say bed. Bed. I don't know what that word Betty is. Betty sexy. Is like, like, Betty? Like, I don't remember. Uh, sure, that's you, Pearl. Whatever that is, that's thank you. you. You win. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we've got a guest coming up here in a brief moment. We'll get to that. Um, but I, I do want to get uh, to some of the other results real quick before we uh, get him on the line. Um, Chris Weidman was back tonight. And, uh, you know, talking to Ray Longo, he felt that Weidman was uh, in a really good spot tonight to perform well against Uriah Hall, a man that he beat uh, over a decade ago. And, you know, Hall coming off that win over uh, Anderson Silva, there was, uh, you know, a lot of the line here because Weidman, you know, is trying to get back to that that form that, you know, he once occupied when he was the UFC's middleweight champion, um, you know, taking on a guy like uh, Uriah Hall, who he, you know, already has a win over. You got to believe that, you know, stylistically maybe Weidman was you know in a position to do well he he changed locales and you know was training with a new team but none of it matters because the end comes at just 17 seconds of the very first round it was eerily similar to what happened in his uh, second meeting uh, with Anderson Silva uh, if you remember Anderson you know threw a, a kick uh, towards uh, Weidman's lead leg it was checked Anderson's leg snapped in half virtually the same thing happened but even more uh, grotesque in a lot of ways. Uh, Weidman tries to step back on it. It folds in half, and yeah, I'm not looking forward to having to see this replay because I'm sure someone's going to make me look at it again. Yeah, so, you know, when it happened, right, I instantly thought, instantly an Anderson Silva moment, remind, yeah. you know, comes into my mind, and it's like, how does that happen when Chris Weidman was the one to kind of, you you can't say make it happen because when that happens, it's a combination of them throwing the kick and then hitting just this perfect spot on, on who's checking the kick. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Is it a stress fracture? Is is this something have to exist there? You think Pearl for your leg to, I mean, maybe we're just, you know, like making things up, but like, it's just odd, right? It's just odd because, how does the human leg just snap in half? Like, because we've seen a lot of hard check kicks in the past, right? And very, I mean, this has happened three times in the UFC's 28 year history. Um, happened right. to Anderson Silva against Chris Weidman. Now happened to Weidman uh, against Uriah Hall. And Which I is believe crazy. the other one was Corey Hill and Dale Hart, uh, you know, a decade ago. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how it happens. I think that, I think that. Maybe you, you you may be onto something where there might be some sort of injury, you know, underlying injury already. Um, but I think maybe I think me, you know, me and, and how I think I think that it has a part to do with a diet and maybe some type of nu- nutritional deficiency. Um, but I also think it's the positioning. I think that the way that that sh- the shin hits, you know, I think that Chris threw and maybe touched or landed with his lower part of his shin the lower part of your shin, the closer you get to your ankle, the the smaller the bone gets um, and the less muscle that's surrounding your, your shin. So there's less to kind of hold it to, to, to protect it. Right. Um, and then where Uriah Hall checked, which 
without seeing that gory part, it was just a perfect check. I mean, he didn't lose balance. He didn't even have to lift his leg. He just, he knew where it was. He didn't have to move in any way. And he just, it was a perfect check. And it was right at the top, the, 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 where you should check your kicks, which is right underneath your knee. And it's like the, the, you know, the most, the thickest part of your shin. Um, for me, me personally, um, I've, I've checked a kick and had my, like, here's your knee, right? And it's, I forget the, it's the shin bone and then the knee. And I've had my shin bone pushed back and it was the most painful thing I've ever been through. And, and I tore my PCL and uh, my MCL that time and uh, it shifted and it was just, it was excruciating. And if you watch that replay, when, when Weidman threw the kick, he threw the kick, he checked, Hall checks it. He doesn't even flinch. Weidman doesn't even know this happened. I know, yet. I know. And think about and that. Like, think about your your leg snapping. You don't even know. Like it. Ha- like w- what was hard about it too is like we we heard it. Like that was what was. It was harder for me to hear it than to actually watch it. Oh my gosh! I. It was, to me, what was the hardest part is when he stepped on it uh, and it just went. Yeah. You know, and then then he then you see his face and then you see, and he. You know, I, I, I got, I have to believe like in that moment, if for as excruciate, for as painful as that was, I'm sure just glimpses, you know, he has some type of like, not PTSD, but some kind of traumatic. Oh, you go to a special place in your brain. You know what I mean? Like you, you, I I don't know if it's an out of body experience, Pearl, but when your leg snaps in half, like your body has to go into some sort of shock now. Like, I don't know. Think about what had happened when he did that to Anderson Yeah, and how traumatic that was. And then when that happened, I mean, the way he fell, yes, he was in pain, but it wasn't like he was looking down like Anderson was and was shocked. He kind of already knew because he's been through this moment before, like. God, how traumatic is that for him, you know? And he looks so good tonight. He looks, his body looked great. You know, the way that he was talking and how he wanted another, he was taking, going after another run. This may be his last run. And and just looks so good tonight. His body, his, his, just everything looked great. And then that happened instantly. And it was just, gosh, it's heartbreaking because you know that he's going, he's, he's got a long road of recovery ahead of him. And that's the thing that I I hate to say. I mean, no one wants to say that this is the last time we see Chris Weidman. I hope that is not the case. I hope he, you know, I, I got to imagine he's probably in surgery now that, I mean, that's a, that's a, a break that you don't just put a cast on and everything's okay. There's going to have to be some uh, structural support put in there. Uh, and mm. then like the idea of him coming back from a fight, I mean, that's gotta be the last thing on he, on his mind, his family's mind. Uh, but Uriah Hall, uh, again, tonight, it's not the way that he would want to uh, avenge a loss, but he, he does get his hand raised. He's coming off, you know, a, a big win over Anderson Silva. He then now, you know, technically writes the wrong, uh, against, uh, Chris Weidman who beat him, you know, a decade ago, but, he gets on the mic in the most unfortunate of circumstances and I get it. You know, this is what we do. We have to keep the show going. You give the man his opportunity uh, to, to sort of spin his uh, career forward. And he just speaks so eloquently and, and does so in a manner that is incredibly respectful uh, of Chris Weidman, mm-hmm. you know, you know, shouts out to, to Chris's family who is obviously, you know, watching at home and, and have got to feel all sorts of, different ways 
Um, but it's scary. Uh, Uriah Hall handled himself in, in a very bad situation like a champion. He did. He, he, I was impressed with the way he handled himself and God, you, you have to have so much respect for him because as soon as it happened, he turned around and he, and he got on his knees and I believe, you know, it looked like he was praying or he was just giving Weidman like that, that respect in that moment of, oh my gosh, I can't believe this just happened to my opponent. And if, if you ever talk to Uriah, Uriah, he's like, he's such a nice guy, you know? So like, yeah, he's a fighter and he's vicious. I mean, look at him here, but he's genuinely a nice guy. So you can't like to, to have that happen. I can't imagine what that does for him emotionally and mentally. And I mean, again, like the first thing that immediately came into my mind was and the Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman. Now here we see Chris Weidman. So like, I'm sure maybe for him, he's like, Oh God, I hope this isn't like some kind of like, you know, curse here, you know, because right. that's, that's intense. Yeah, no, what 100%. And, uh, you know, what, what is even more strange about it, if you didn't watch the pay-per-view tonight, uh, we saw something eerily similar to this uh, with the fight leading up to that one, and that was uh, Anthony Smith and, and Jimmy Crute. Uh, Crute suffers, uh, I guess, what is called drop foot, right? Like, it's it, it's a situation where the, the nerve in the leg essentially just goes dead, and, and you could see it. Anthony Smith uh, came out and landed a, a kick to the, the leg of, of uh, Jimmy Crute, and it just his leg just couldn't structurally support itself anymore. His his ankle was flopping all over the place. And, you know, credit to, you know, the Aussie who was able to actually <laughs> get a takedown. Flopping. I mean, it was. Like, I don't know how to describe it other than, like, it was dead. Like, I mean... It comes back. It's fine. So, but like the, yeah. the nerve is shut off. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've, uh, have, have you ever had it to the point where like you fall, your foot falls asleep or your leg falls asleep to where mm -hmm. standing up, like that was what was scary for me with, with Jimmy Crute when he was standing up and trying to take a step, I thought that he was possibly going to like snap his ankle in half because he wasn't able to have any resistance to the floor. So it was like he was standing in the bottom of his, what are they? I think that's the tibia, your lower leg uh, bone. He's basically standing on his tibia because his foot is checked out. It's gone. It went right. on vacation. Ugh. It was, it was like, yeah, it was somewhere. Yeah. It, it was, man. So I, he looked like know, a broken toy. That, he did. Like the, there's no, but it was impressive. Like you said, like he got takedowns on that. Oh, I know. Leg. Right. That was what was interesting too, is because he walks back to his corner and you're like, okay, he's fine. Thank you. It's like this. Oh, thank you for the technical term of stanky leg. I needed that. <laughs> um, but, but though no, he walked back to his corner pearl and it, it looked like it, it had come back for a brief moment. And then he's trying to like psych himself up and, you know, it's like beating on his chest and he, he would have fought. Had the doctor allowed him oh, yeah. to compete, he would have fought, no problem. But the, the right call was made because, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily, again, medically what could have happened or what was happening. But if he's forced to try to fight on that, uh, I'm concerned about his ankle. I'm even concerned about his knee. I don't know if his knee would be able to to handle that. Yeah, you know, I that was such an interesting fight because listening to the to commentary – they were at first concerned with Anthony Smith's knee, right? Right. He had been kicked several times and they were concerned with his knee. And so I was like looking out for that. And then, and then, you know, and then crude has the stanky leg going and you Again, know, it was technical term, because, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Stanky leg. Right. But do you remember when Henry Cejudo had that happen to him? Yeah. 
Yep. How long did it take for his his feeling and, and that nerve to turn back on? It wasn't long, right? It wasn't. No. That fight. Right. And and that's so, the thing that's mm. odd about it is like right. what what happened and this is something too. I've watched mixed martial arts for you know fifteen years as a job. Like that's how I've made my money for fifteen years. This has only happened. This has only started to happen in the last five. So what is it? What 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 is happening? Why is this something that is all of a sudden popping up repeatedly? We talk about the low calf kick all the time. This wasn't exactly it, but I do think that fighters are just starting to understand how to actually attack the the leg of their opponent in a, in a meaningful way. Because it's not right. just I'm going to finish my combinations with a nice you know leg kick and and you know snap it off to you know point out to the judges, look, I, I've got fancy skills. It's leg kicks will stop you just as bad as getting you know hit on the button. Absolutely. I mean, and, and what they call it is, is you're chopping down the tree. You're literally like chopping like a, like a, what's that thing called? This isn't a saw. This I is think it's a, called an ax. An ax. Yeah. There you go. So and we're a great and, team. <laughs> you forget words. I kind of remember them. We're awesome. At and this. I'm not even drinking. Jeez. I know. I know. But, um, yeah, no, like it's, you're chopping down a tree and that's what you do when, when you're attacking the legs and, Jimmy Crute was actually doing a fantastic job he was. of chopping down Anthony Smith's legs. Let me ask you this, because we saw Weidman, you know, throw the kick against Hall and that ultimately led to his leg injury. Is there anything that you could have seen from Jimmy Crute that maybe he was doing that ultimately led to him having the leg injury? Was he maybe landing on Anthony Smith in a manner where the nerve was already irritated or aggravated in a way? So was it was it Kruitz, was it his his back leg? See, I don't remember exactly. I think it, it was. It was his it was, left leg. It was his left leg. Right. So it was his uh, lead leg. Lead leg. Okay. Um, so he wasn't no, kicking with I that think, one. No, he wasn't. He was he was yep. throwing a lot with the with the with his power leg. But what I think with Weidman was Weidman threw this huge, massive kick, but he threw it blindly. He did not add a. He didn't set it up. Right. And for for athletes that have to check, you know, have to see kicks and that, see you see so many things that if you don't if you don't set up a big kick like that, you're you're gonna get checked. You as an as an athlete that knows that has all these different weapons coming at them, you are you know what's coming and you're accustomed to you know to seeing. So like Uriah Hall checked that effortlessly. He didn't even have to look. He didn't have to. His his balance, his his um, stance was not at all. He he stood in his stance. There was nothing there. All he had to do was just turn his leg over. It was perfect check. Well, especially and, with Uriah Hall, who's a, a, a leg attack heavy sure. fighter himself. He's not mm-hmm. foreign to throwing those types of kicks. So of course he's going to have uh, you know at least a thought on his mind to be defensive in that manner. It's just odd because I remember when when Weidman landed it on Anderson Silva. You know, the the way the first fight had ended, people were talking about how Anderson lost that fight and Chris didn't win it. And then the rematch, we see a horrible injury. And Weidman had to point out, like, guys, like, I did check that. So I did have some involvement in, in this happening. It, it's not the best look for an athlete to be like, look, I caused that. Um, but that that's definitely not the case here either. And that's one thing, too, I think, you know, over the course of, of many years, the fan base of mixed martial arts has, has gotten more intelligent and uh, I remember there was a judge back in the day that literally said this, Pearl, uh, leg kicks don't win fights. That guy's not judging <laughs> anymore. 
It's a good thing <laughs> he's not because not only will leg kicks win fights, you know, by by stoppage, but they definitely need to be uh, added up when it comes to the scorecards. And uh, yeah, I mean, crazy stuff. No, leg kicks are huge, and they're so dangerous in our sport because if you think about the length of our weapons, our legs are our longest weapon in MMA, right? And so that's the first that that's the first attack you have. That's also the first that can be attacked. And it's your base. It's ultimately your base. And what Welly had a great game plan. She instantly came in and started throwing those inside leg kicks on, on Rose. She was shutting down. And when you attack the legs, you start to shut down the movement. You, sh- you start to, to, to affect the, ba- the, the, the balance, the stance, the structure. And so, um, you know, it, it is, it's, it's probably the most, in my eyes, most important tool that you have in the striking is, is leg kicks, the ability to set them up, to throw them, to land them mm. and, or to also defend them. Right. And, um, and if you do, and then like these, these calf kicks that are coming now that are, that has evolved in our sport so much, like those are dangerous. You, it only takes two or three and you're not walking on your leg. You're not, you're not putting any weight on that leg. So it's a, it's a huge factor that really does have to, we have, to, as, as the sport's evolving, you, you're going to have to, we have to address it in a way. And how, how do we effectively defend this without, without hurting ourselves, right? Without taking us out of position. Because if you, if you check the kick, you're on one leg that makes you susceptible to, to a takedown. If you remove your leg, then now you're out of, now you're out of range and, and right. your distance is further away and you can't hit them. So, you know, it is, it's, it's, it's an interesting tool that is really being exposed right now. And, um, we'll see, we'll see where this work goes the next couple of years with this. You know, one thing I think is, is most important and my biggest takeaway from these, uh, these leg attacks, uh, is every fighter now has to be able to be pretty confident in their ability to go, you know, from their power side to their weak side, uh, orthodox to, to Southpaw, because if you're taking on an opponent that kicks you just one time in the right spot with the right amount of impact, you're no longer a right-handed fighter. You're going to have to be a left-handed fighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that is something, I mean, long gone are the days of people remembering, you know, the, the single digit UFCs where Marco Huas was able to chop down the tree of, of Paul Varlins. It's something that happens uh, a lot. I think uh, it was Alex Perez last year, uh, won a fight via TKO leg kicks. And it was something like the sixth or seventh win in UFC history due to an accumulation of leg kicks. And I feel like we've doubled that number in less than a year because it just, it's, it's a phenomenon that is uh, catching on and and is doing Mm -hmm. so because the the science of it is just, you know, it's getting refined more and more in the gym uh, every day. So credit to Anthony Smith who gets the win. Um, I I don't think that I'm, I'm reaching here by guessing uh, your uh, pick here, but buy or sell, the doctor made the right call. You're going to buy that, right? The doctor couldn't in good conscience let Jimmy Crook go out there and, and try to fight on a leg that was severely damaged. So, okay, so do we know if his – did he get feeling back? Does he, is he able to use his leg right, right now? Do we know that? I, I, I don't know. One would assume uh, – and the reason that I would say I would assume is because it seemed like there were moments that it was supporting his weight, that it was doing what it needed to do, but then it would just – basically shut off again and uh, uh you know at this point the fight was three plus hours ago i mean hopefully maybe frankie or, or steve our producers can get some information on that i don't know if anybody uh, has heard at the the press conference but i w- i would assume it's a situation that will 
correct itself relatively quickly. So if that's the case, right, and this this happens, like I almost think, do you do you treat it like you treat a groin? That's a, groin a great question. Like, but but a groin it- a groin shot is illegal, so you have to allow time to recover from an illegal shot. This right. was not an illegal shot, but I, I sort it's of understand what you're saying. Shot. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, to, if, to, especially if it's just a nerve thing, right? Right. And the nerve eventually turns back but on. I, I don't know if it is just a nerve thing because, I, well, I understand what you're saying. Yes, his nerve is not working. Is that at risk of like prolonged damage? No, I don't think that the nerve is at risk of not working again if it sustains more damage. But I do think that he is susceptible to, you know, breaking his ankle. If if he continues to try to walk on it, that's where the safety concern uh, for me comes into play. Uh, I guess my question is, would I feel differently if it was for a championship? Like if it was for a championship, I would hate Mm. to see a a a title change hands or someone lose their uh, opportunity to fight. Because like, again, this was if if it was his brain that shut off, we'd be complimenting Anthony Smith for a knockout. But being that it's mm-hmm. his nerve that shut off, we're kind of going like, does he deserve a rematch? I, I mean, I would tend to think that no. Hmm. Anthony Smith hmm. did what he needed to do. There's no controversy here. Right, right. And I, I, I can agree with you there. But at the same time, let's say, let's say they stop the fight and two minutes later his leg turns back on. Yeah, but that's I mean, like saying about, that's like saying a minute later after I knock you out, your brain turns back on. No, 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 your brain's shut off. You're completely discombobulated. Right, with a, with his leg kick. is shut off. He can't walk. Mm, I guess you're right. Okay, I, I can hear I, your I argument. Mean, it's very solid. You've if, got a if, very if solid I, argument here. If I shut any part of your body off from fighting, I win. I don't know. See, because you're not technically shutting the. You didn't. Now, okay. Come on, Pearl. leg, he was done. Like right, but Jimmy, that, Jimmy Crute, if he continues to try to stand on his leg, he might snap his ankle. I mean, if you let's say two minutes later, though, his leg's not doing the nerves back on. So this is my thing. Like, so if his nerve came back on, that's like saying if I choke again, you out, I should just let you like get your oxygen back. <laughs> no, that's because you're going completely unconscious. But uh, yeah, but because I shut your brain off. Is. I mean, right? But you're not. You didn't. His his I, brain wasn't shut off. Okay, like so he's still okay. Like, let's in his defense here, or in right. his defense here, he took he he completed a takedown after. I know. That. Did he complete I know. two takedowns? He did. So he got like, two, he got two takedowns. He, walked back to his corner. Two. This is what I'm saying. So as I and I'm just taking and I where I'm coming from on this argument is a fighter's perspective and 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 knowing how much it takes to even to step inside of the cage, the amount of work, the time. Think about pay. I mean, these you you have a lot at stake. So if your leg shuts off for three minutes and then turns back on, like I feel like maybe maybe that is worth a five minute time. No, if if I hurt you and you can't move your arm, like if I if I if I you can still fight though. Sure, but the reason that you can fight through an arm break is because you're not immobile. You know what I mean? Like th- that's the thing. Mm-hmm, I guess mm-hmm. my question, my question mm-hmm. is this, and, and this is why I bring up the buy or sell because when when Jimmy Crute did get on the mic, he said, "Look, I was going to go out there and I was going to fight and I was going to pull guard because I wasn't going to be able mm-hmm. to stand." Does he deserve that opportunity as a pro fighter? Should the referee make him go out there and pull guard and then you know go, "Look, uh, tim- timidity is an issue. You're not intelligently defending yourself. You're done." Um, I-, I tend to think that if safety is paramount, you don't let him fight. 
because so it's not the, safe. The thing about the sugar show, remember when the sugar show had his leg injury that, right. you know, wasn't, right. wasn't but, very serious. What did he, did he go back to the court? Did they let him come out like that? Or was that all in one round? That was all in one round. And he ended okay. up winning. Okay. So if there was a separation, he would have lost, but okay. he was able to get it. I mean, but, but I, you see, that's the thing. I understand what you're saying. There is some, I don't know if there's some validity to it or if I just understand it because it's not like he was stopped, you know, it was right. taken away from him, but that's what referees and doctors are supposed to do when they. Correct. Uh, you know, and, so. and you're right. You're a hundred percent correct. When you say that he did that, he created that, right? He, he made, he immobilized. Anthony Smith. Shut the leg shut off of Jimmy Crew. Yeah, right. shut it off. Right. Shut the light. Shut the light off on the leg. Just a little doop. Yep. Shut off. All right. Doop. So Anthony Smith gets the win. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna buy that the doctor made the right call, but we understand why maybe some people are upset, even though you probably shouldn't be upset because it was I mean, a technique. Yeah, you really can't be because like his that shit looked crazy. It, that, seriously, you're like oh god. And for a fight, or for people that have no clue what's happening, that's right. fucking scary. I mean, yeah. his leg was like. I mean, again, it looked like he was a broken toy. Th- thank what's you for that the visual. That like my, <laughs> this is what the leg was like the whole time. You know, it was like. That that looks like I'm the sorry. claw. That looks like a really weak claw. <laughs> no. You know, like the claw. This is like the heel. This is like the the sole of the foot, and it was just like poor thing, like. I hope his leg is okay. Yeah, I really do. I hope the nerve turned back on because I don't. I don't know. I so, think the, I, I give the doctor made the right call. So now I have a question for you. You've been in the back, uh, you know, throughout your entire career, getting ready for your fights and supporting teammates. Um, we had two really odd instances back to back with Jimmy Crute's uh, leg getting shut off, and then Chris Weidman's leg, you know, essentially snapping in half. What does that do when there are injuries like this to the locker room? Because there, you know, we're we're three championship fights on deck. Uh, I remember Ken Shamrock talking about UFC one, where he was in the back and everyone was like posturing, like, "Yeah, we're in this badass fighting tournament. No one knows what to expect." And then Gerard Gordeau kicks Taylor Tooley's tooth out of his head, and everyone just goes, "Oh, "Oh crap, this is real." Like, I know we're in a much different place than we were back in November of 1993, but I got to believe that the champions and the challengers that are sitting in the back had to feel like tonight just got a lot more real. 100%. 100%. Do you allow yourself you, to watch the, the fights in the back? Like, what do you do as a fighter? It depends. It depends on where, where we are on the card and where I am at fighting. If it's earlier and I have a ways to go, then yeah, I'll watch, I'll watch some of the fights, but then once the fight gets closer, I don't want to watch the fights. I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be affected by anybody else's, you know, thought process. I have my own thought process. I have my own tools and skills that I've been working on and my own vision and visualization of how this fight will go. Because so, you all you, you know, all know it's real. Like it's nothing is yeah. being broken to you about the fact that you could get hurt. You know what I mean? Like you right. all know this. And and the thing is, is is so many people you don't understand what happens in the training room. Right. Right? Because you see these injuries in the training room all the time. Um, you get kicked, you know, even with shin guards on, like I said, I had a I had a shin guard on and my knee, my bone shifted. It went this way it went the wrong way and, and moved and that's so painful and we we both had shin guards on and and it was just you know it just how does these that even happen? happen it's crazy it's just it, a it fluke is. thing 
you know, I think that for me, it was, it was ongoing. Like I had, I had already partially tore my PCL and I kept training and that's what so many of us fighters do is we'll get the slight little, maybe he sprained his ankle. Right. Who knows? Maybe crew sprained his ankle last week in right. training roll, you know, and yeah. came out and then the nerve hit. And then that, that was already injured. That happens all the time. I mean, we, you're constantly training. There's, there's so much happening in the gym that, that no one really sees. And, and yes, you'll take a kick on the leg and the shin and your shins hurt for three weeks, you know, and, and then you take a, a kick like that in a fight, you, you know, you can't, who knows what happens from that. So, um, yeah, you're definitely affected. I am personally, I can't speak for others, but I am personally affected when things like that happen. I try not to focus on that or right. even like, even if I have headphones in my ears and I'm in my own zone and there's other fighters in, in, in the, the locker room with me and they come back and they just lost a fight. Right. That energy, you feel that energy and you have oh, to yeah. like, you know, like just know like, like you're here. If you're the you're main here, event, you allow it to affect you, us. you're the main event in the blue corner and everyone in your corner locker room is, is lost. You're like, man, there's a, there's a funk back there, right? Like, yes, yeah. there is. There's, you feel that you feel and they're around and they're right. upset and you just have to stay in your zone. So I think the nice thing, though, with uh, the UFC is they kind of limit how many people you have in the back. Sure. Whereas for shows I fought on, most of us were in one in one room. Um, so that is nice, especially for the champions. They get their own room. Yeah. And that is that's really nice. But they do have the TV, so they do see what's happening. They know what's going on um, if they're paying attention. So, yeah, I would think 100 percent that they they see or feel that. You know, in a sense, it is. It's, it was traumatic. It was a traumatic couple of fights. And that's one thing, one, thing, one thing, too. Obviously, they were in Florida where, you know, it's, it's a lot more open than other parts of the uh, the country right now. But there was, still was a, a COVID-19 protocol in place. So these fighters were getting shuffled in and out as they fought. So it, it wasn't the typical uh, mm. environment where they, you know, were, were in the same building and in the same confines. But uh I definitely think that there's something to be said about the energy. And when you see two leg injuries like that, uh, the energy is going to change. There's going to be a different vibe. Uh, on that same tip, the crowd was uh, in full effect tonight inside the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, you know, these fights were fire from the word go. It was an exciting night. Uh, I forgot oh what it gosh. was like to hear people during a fight, Pearl, because the apex has been mm -hmm. so, um, you know, silent. You can hear everything, the corners, and it actually sounded like deafening. And I'm talking about from fight one when the arena was maybe half full, you know, maybe, maybe even less than that, maybe a quarter full. But the bottom line was the people of Jacksonville were stoked to have a UFC at full power and, and I definitely think that the crowd did fuel the fighters and make these fights pretty entertaining and exciting. Would you agree? I agree 100%. I think that for me, even like, you know, you text me earlier tonight. I was like, oh, my God, the crowd's so loud. And you, you turn down the fights and you hear the crowd. And it, it was just like it was it was a big moment, even for me watching on, on my computer here at home. Um, to hear the crowd and I can't imagine what you feel that energy. It, it feels like waves when, when you're at, at a fight, if you've ever been to a live fight, you feel that energy. And so I believe a hundred percent that these fighters were either, it can fuel you or it can get in your way and it can hinder, it can hinder your performance at times. And, and I think that I saw a little bit of both of that, of that happening. You see, you see the fighters react to the crowd and that's how you know that the crowd is having somewhat of an effect. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, it's it's insane. Like I, I remember, I was at the final uh, WEC uh, event, and this was the uh, card that uh, culminated with Benson Henderson against uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis, and, and Pettis landed that Showtime kick. And there was there were just violent endings and finishes and, and performances all night long. And I, I firmly believe that there was something just in the air that night in Arizona. And tonight there was something in the air uh, in Jacksonville, and uh, the fighters responded in a manner that. Uh, it was something special, to say the least. Oh, my gosh. It was such a special night. You will never forget tonight. No. You will never forget tonight. And, man, it was awesome. It was an awesome night. It was really cool to hear the crowd back again. I'm happy that they're, they're coming back. Uh, 917-UFC Talk is the number. 917-832-8255. We were supposed to have a guest on, and uh, their phone is off. So we'll, uh, we'll figure that out for another time. But uh, I am looking at uh, some of the text messages that are coming in. Uh, you can uh, text us as well. Again, 917-UFC-TALK. Uh, uh, I don't know where the 616 area code is, uh, but Josh sends in a text message. He says, you guys are talking a lot about leg injuries tonight. Uh, does the burden fall on the athlete that is injured for lack of conditioning? I know that you can condition your shins. They do this in Muay Thai all the time. Your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, you spent significant time in in Thailand. I, I remember seeing a video where these uh, you know young young kids are in Thailand kicking rubber trees over and over and over again to condition their shins. Is there any truth to that? Does it uh, fall on the the athletes to have a better sort of conditioning for their shins to absorb this kind of damage? Um, I can say this. I can say based on my experience in Thailand and. When I went to Thailand or when I went to any of my Muay Thai camps, I mean, I never threw kicks like I did in those in those training sessions in 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 those camps or in Thailand. And it was insane because I would actually physically see my shins first. They swell a little bit, and then you do you see your your like your shins get thicker. And I I think the same thing happens for your hands and your forearms, like right. your neck. Even you can see like you you just get thicker and from these holding these positions or you know, conditioning in a sense. So I don't know if you would say it's the responsibility. Yes. Yes. It, it It's always our responsibility, no matter what happens to what we do with ourselves. But as a, as an MMA athlete, I don't think that they train like a Muay Thai fighter. So you're not going to have right. the same shins and conditioning as a Muay Thai fighter. You just don't have that, that time in the day. You have to get all of these skills in, in one day or all of these skills in, in one week. So but also, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, too, Pearl. Isn't it more like when you you kick repeatedly? A lot of it is almost deadening your own nerves. It's not necessarily making your bones stronger, but it's it's making your shins more comfortable with the idea of impact. No. Yes, absolutely. It makes them tougher, and and you do you, you like you're saying it, your body gets used to it, or maybe you do maybe numb the nerves. But I do believe that that you also like the layers of. Um, Fascia tissue, what do you call this right here? Fascia, I think, I really believe that that grows and that gets thicker. I think that yeah. it builds over kind of, you know, I really, I've noticed that my shins would be thicker and harder when I was in Thailand compared to when I was here in the U.S. training MMA. Or when I'm heavy on my jujitsu, my forearms, my hands, everything gets just thicker um, when I'm training that compared to when I'm focusing on everything. So I do believe that there is a, you know, you do condition and, and your body does adjust. We adapt. Our bodies do that. Um, but it's hard. How do you condition your shins like that with and take that damage and, and then wrestle? Jiu-jitsu. I mean, it, it's a, just a tough thing. I think that 
what's more the important factor is how was this kick set up? How are these kicks being set up? Are you just throwing them blindly? Because think about the movement that it takes to throw a kick. You have to open, open your hip up and, and, and rotate your hip around. That's a lot of movement. And for someone that is used to being in these and seeing all these weapons being thrown at them in, a, in an extremely high pace, you know what's coming and you can see what's coming. So I feel like it's the fighter's responsibility to set up these kicks better. Yeah, I think that is, I, is where lion where lies in the real issue here. And, you know, with Weidman, it was just it was literally the only thing that happened in the fight. He threw that kick. It was checked. His leg broke. But um, you, you're right. I mean, the the idea of making your opponent not so ready to check the kick in that manner uh, is probably the best case scenario there. Because, like, uh, again, it's a defensive technique, but as we've seen multiple times in the UFC, when you check a kick, it can be the only offensive move you need in the entire fight because that's what has happened. That's why you check kicks, because it's painful and because it stops people from kicking your legs. Right. That is the purpose of checking a kick. I mean, it hurts, too, when you check a kick. It hurts the person checking, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. they, it's, it's like bone it's on bone. It's bone on bone, bone right, yeah. You're doing this. You're, you're just so, hoping that you get the better of the exchange so your opponent stops right. kicking you. Right. Um, right. W- what's interesting, and, and it gets back to the idea of, of Jimmy Crute, you know, maybe needing time to recover. Uh, this is why you can't do that. Because if we start to change the rules or do anything because leg kicks are becoming effective or too effective – then we're just going to like make leg kicks illegal, which is absolutely ludicrous to even think. No. About. So. Yeah. You, you, we need leg kicks. I mean, it's such a huge part of our game and it's clearly becoming, it's evolving. Right. And yeah. now it's becoming a really big factor in our, in our, in our sport. So you definitely can't take kicks out. Um, I just think, like I said, like maybe for, for the instance where it's like a nerve thing or something like that, do you, do you allow for a timeout to, to let the nerve turn back on? Um, you know, no, no, that's my only question. One one thing I would ask though, and we've seen this in the past, uh, more uh, overseas and, and sometimes I think women get away with it, uh, because the nature of their fight, uh, you know, uh, attire is, is more acceptable in areas, but what about compression sleeves? You know, what, what if, you know, like Shinyaki wore long pants? Um, I've seen women in Invicta wear longer pants, even though it's technically not allowed uh, in the unified rules. If the commission doesn't say anything about it, then it just flies. Do, do you think that if athletes were allowed to wear those compression type of, of pants, uh, would, would that affect the uh, damage or, you know, the long-term durability in a fight with these leg attacks? Potentially with the breaks, like we saw with Weidman tonight, I believe that you're maybe, maybe that that's bone on bone. So when you right. put a compression sleeve on, that's no longer bone on bone. So that might change. But in the sense, if you think about it, this is like a bat. You're literally, we talked about this in one of our fights. Remember, it's a bat. Your right. legs are like bats. Yeah. And you're swinging a bat. So, no, I... Mean- I Go, going but going other- back to the early days of the UFC, that was the analogy for Maury Smith, who was you know the first real accomplished kickboxer in MMA to capture a UFC title. They they said that uh, absorbing a kick from Maury Smith was literally, I mean I don't know literally they like to throw that word around a lot, but they said it was similar to uh, you know eating a, a bat strike at eighty miles an hour. 
Yes, it is. And it, it, you feel that even checking that kick, you, it's a bat hitting your shin. Um, it's a, not a good feeling. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting, TJ. I think that the compression, the, if you bring in compression sleeves, though, now, not potentially now you may be hindering or affecting the jujitsu and the grappling. Right. Uh, I and just, that's an issue. I just got a text message uh, from a area code 203. I don't know where that is, but uh, they're like, TJ, please ask Pearl what she ate. I can hear her stomach. That is not her stomach. <laughs> that is Loki, her dog. <laughs> French bulldog. I keep trying to shut him up, but he will not stop <laughs> snoring. Look at this face. I, I just don't want people he to won't. think that you got into the nachos or something tonight. You know what I mean? He's still snoring right now. He won't stop. I'm sorry, guys. He's adorable. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. I, I mean, you know, the, the <laughs> only other alternative is that it's either you or I that are making that noise and. We just keep going on with our conversation <laughs> while some really uncomfortable what sounds are being. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> ah. Well, oh, I, I think so that's good. that's pretty much it. As far as uh, performance of the night bonuses are concerned, um, Molina and uh, Quilling Ori. I can't say that name. I got to get on the uh, the the Rosetta Stone with that one. They got some uh, performance of the night bonuses uh, earlier, and then on the main card, uh, Kamara Usman and Rosnami Yunus both picking up. Uh, $50,000 and, and well-deserved. Who was the first one? Was that the flyweights? Uh, no, Jeff Molina. El Jefe. Yeah, that was those, were those the, fly, those weren't the flyweights. I, I have to look that up. Uh, I th- cause that was a great, fight. I think that, I think the they were. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, that was a flyweight yeah. fight, I believe. Hold on. Pulling it up. Yes. Flyweights. You got it. Yeah, that was a great fight. That was an awesome fight tonight. There were some great fights all night tonight. I mean, God, what a fantastic card this was. Truly, truly a, a great night of fights. And again, I can't uh, uh, undersell or oversell uh, the fans, you know, and, and we're we're doing it again. You know, Houston's just a few weeks away. There's a lot of uh, exciting fight cards that are coming up. And, you know, if the uh, the fights tonight are any indication of what we should expect moving forward with fans back in the building, uh, it's going to be a phenomenal year coming up. Like, how do you top tonight? How... I mean, they're going to. They're I mean, going they're, to. They're, we're we're going to yeah. have better nights. Need, need I remind you that the rubber match between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor is going to happen coming up in July. Oh, my gosh. We got but Michael Chandler. We got the Oliveira. Yeah. I know. And the Chandler fight. Seriously. Oh, my gosh. We got so many good fights coming. Leon Edwards, but tonight Nate Diaz. Awesome. It, it just, oh, yeah. Like, it, it's trite to say, like, oh, it's only going to get better from here. But it, the UFC is doing everything really they is. can to try to make every fight card top the one before it. And uh, I'm excited to be here every step of the way with you and and Loki, you know, just snoring in the background. Lori, we, Loki, we've got to deal with. I don't know how we're going to make him not snore, but. All right. Well, Pearl, good job. You stayed <laughs> awake. You. Loki didn't. And uh, I appreciate you staying up late. You're an East Coast girl now. I'm an East Coaster. It is 2.15 in the morning. I'm having a hard time keeping my eyes open. So You're I'm not learning. already in the time zone. Get out of here with that. You haven't adjusted. I've been yet. here a week, and well, actually, I will know. I was in Miami. I was traveling also. I was in Miami for 24 hours yesterday, and and came back today. Um. So and then I'm in camp also. So it's just been a. It's been a. I'm having a hard time keeping my eyes open. See, I I don't know about you, but I'm a Midwesterner at heart. I moved out to California eight years ago, and I still internally live in the Central Time Zone. 
I wake up too early. Do you? Yeah, I go to bed too early. I wake up too early. Like, yeah, I'm always two hours ahead of everything out here. It's it's annoying. I wish I, I think I'm the opposite, TJ. I'm like kind of two hours late. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but you're two hours late to everything, no matter what time zone you're in. <laughs> That's why we try to tell you, Pearl, be here seven hours before we need you. And then you show up to the airport seven hours before we need you and then forget your bags. So Yes. No, my passport. Uh, yeah, that was the last time. The time before that, you oh. literally left your bags in the airport, in the bathroom. Oh, I yeah, think. I do that too. Right. I, no, yeah. no, it's by the gate. I do it by the gate usually. I may or may not have started a weigh-in where you were the main event and you weren't even in the building yet. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, hopefully she'll get here by the time she needs to weigh in. I walked in right before they called my name. It was perfect timing. Perfect timing. Literally. Right. Perfect timing or almost really bad timing. One of the, one of the two. Perfect timing would be there, you know, 10 minutes early, but no you know, way. You're right. You're right. What do I know? I don't know anything. <laughs> Pearl, always a pleasure. Um, Thank we'll you. We'll be back doing this again. I don't know if it's going to be Wednesday or next Saturday. I don't, we'll, we'll just tune in and always tune in because Pearl's likely going to be here. And if she's not, hopefully you'll forgive us for not having Pearl and you'll stick around and watch the rest of the show. But we know you really tune in for Pearl. Uh, well, and also I just want to, you know, give a shout out to Ray Longo. I, gosh, I wish them the best tonight. Yeah. It's a tough night for them. And Dean looked great or sounded great tonight. He's killing as it. The, as the coach guy, whatever you call him, whatever official title he has. I think he's called like an analyst. Of, you know, oh, okay. The, the coach analyst. That's what he is now. Just an analyst. Dean. Analyst works. Yeah. Dean, Dean's whatever he wants to be. You know, so it was a good night for our crew tonight. So a good night, and I feel bad for Ray. Yeah. I, I'm I'm wishing, you know, sending Ray some love. But either way, our, our our team did pretty well tonight. It's been a weird year for Ray Longo. I mean, obviously, you know, Weidman tonight, Aljamain Sterling, he captured a, a title, but in the, the oddest way one could. Uh, yeah, Ray's been through the ringer uh, in 2021. Yeah, we need to give him a we need to get him a Longo dog. Yeah, right. We'll figure out what that is. I mean, maybe we can just give him Loki because then he won't snort or anything. So. <laughs> we could give him to Loki yeah. or give Loki to him. That's a great idea. Exactly. I mean, you're not, you can't be that far up the road from Longo, right? I'm like, not. I'm in Brooklyn now, so I'm sure he's close. Look out, Ray. Pearl's going to come over and uh, hang out, I guess. Drop Loki off. Something Drop like Loki that. Off. All right, Pearl, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Good night, TJ. All right, she's Pearl Bye, Gonzalez. Guys. I'm TJ DeSantis. This is Extra Rounds. Here on UFC Fight Pass, we are not quite done yet. Uh, a couple things we got to do on the way out, but uh, we'll get to those. And uh, it's Pride FC month, and we're going to close with that here uh, in just a couple of moments. So stick around. A lot more yet to go as we wrap things up on extra rounds from UFC Fight Pass. I get a call from my mom, and she's screaming, she's crying on the phone. I just remember my heart sinking in my chest, like, I thought this was over. My father's been incarcerated since 2009, and this is the first time really I've ever talked about it. It grew the chip that was on my shoulder. I remember the last time I visited my father, he told me that that UFC stuff was always on the TV there. It was kind of a little extra push for me because my father was going to be able to see it. Emails would come me, they would come tell me, say, hey, your son is going to be a champ one day. The joy that he felt, I could feel it all the way through the phone. And it's a moment that I would never forget for the rest of my life.
You should step into our world over at UFCFightPass.com and uh, really check out some of the uh, things that we have to offer for you. Uh, it is Pride Never Die month here uh, on Fight Pass, and tonight it was sort of the uh, night of the upset in a lot of ways, and I thought we'd go out with talking about and reliving one of the greatest upsets in Pride FC history. You have the monster Kevin Randleman, former UFC heavyweight champion, taking on the uh, K-1 star in Mirko Krokop, who had only lost one fight in his mixed martial arts run at this time. This is in the 2004 Heavyweight Grand Prix, and uh, Krokop is, is coming in there with almost a, a fight that would be uh, you know, a, a gimme fight if there ever were such a thing in mixed martial arts. Kevin Randleman had lost his uh, last two fights at 205 pounds and uh, moves up to heavyweight uh, to take on the much better and superior striker in Krokop, which is why the monster uh, initiated this clinch very early. And, uh, you know, the referee, Yuji Shimada, going to be forced to separate these two because you, you can see, uh, you know, inside the ring, uh, Randleman's able to get Krokop into the corner and, and really sort of uh, shut down any offense. But in doing so, uh, he, he's not really giving any offense of his own. So back at space here, this is where you would think that Krokop's going to take over and knock out Kevin Randleman because that's really what many people thought he would do. You know, we were waiting for Merkel Krokop to get in the ring with the, the best heavyweight in the world at the time, who was Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, Krokop had lost to, to Minotaur Noguera, but people thought that that was a bit of a, a fluke in the sense that uh, Noguera maybe grabbed the ropes and kind of pulled his way into a submission. But uh, Randleman fakes that shot and comes over the top with that left hand. Hurts Krokop very badly. Uh, Krokop able to get to a guard, but he's not really on this planet. And these hammer fists finally send him far, far away in the Shadow Realm. Kevin the Monster Randleman pulling off one of the biggest upsets in mixed martial arts history. That back in 2004 inside the Pride Heavyweight Grand Prix. That fight and many, many others available for you right now over at UFCFightPass.com. Uh, it, it is crazy to think that Pride has been out of business now for 14 years. But anytime is Pride time over at Fight Pass. And as I said, it's officially Pride Never Die Month all April long. Uh, coming up Wednesday, going to be joined by a WAPO, Boss Rutan, to talk about some of those Pride days and, and relive some other fights from Kevin Randleman and just the entire lore and story around Pride Fighting Championships. I was able to hang out with Boss today and, and record that. and Phenomenal stuff, to say the least. But phenomenal night tonight. If you miss any part of this broadcast, we're on podcast now. So go check it out. Uh, available uh, wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. Um, if you download a podcast from that place, you can now download extra rounds just do a search for ufc fight pass presents extra rounds or type in ufc fight pass you can download our show every week we come to you on wednesdays and uh, after big fight cards like tonight I want to thank pearl gonzalez for coming on the air talking about all of the action thank you to you for staying up late as well ufc 261 delivered in a very very big way and uh it was our honor to uh, wrap it up for you back on wednesday with boss rutin probably get dean thomas on the air as well and uh, hopefully we can reach out to Ray Longo and get an update on Chris Weidman. For Pearl, I'm TJ, saying thanks for going a few extra rounds on UFC Fight Pass. Take care. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this.